Hi, and welcome to Decoding AQ, helping you to learn the tools, mindsets, and actions to thrive in an ever-changing world. Hi, and welcome to the next episode of Decoding AQ. I have with me today, Julio from Mozambique. Last year, he was recognized as one of the 100 most influential young Africans, which I think is fantastic. So we're going to dig into that. And in the last seven years, has trained nearly a thousand people in marketing, business, and entrepreneurship, Uh, started with a degree in agricultural engineering. And tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey, perhaps from architectural engineering to now sort of business and personal growth coach. Welcome. (laughs) Yeah, thank you very much, Ross. I'm super happy to be here today with you guys. Um, So yeah, I had a pretty um, kind of not linear journey. Um, I've always been interested in personal development and education. Um, My parents were both um, teachers, so hence that passion uh, with education. And then I think it was around when I was finishing my college and I was about to get into university that I just found that people were way too complicated. You know, as human beings, we have a lot of layers. We are always, we have issues, we lie. Um, Sometimes we don't know what we want. Um, and I just saw that, you know, people are just too complicated. Let me focus on plants and animals. They're simple. Um, you know, for a plant, if you take care of a plant, if you water it, if you give them nutrients, they will thrive, right? They're going to give you results. Um, and that's what I did. But then I figured out that even in agriculture, you have to work with people, right? There is no way of escaping people. So I thought, you know, instead of fighting it, how can I just make sure that I'm having the best relationships I can have? And how can I work with people who are at the top of their game and support and challenge me to be at the top of my game as well? So from that event, was really, I kind of went back to my personal development part. I started my first business with a friend of mine that was focused on delivering per, um, technical vocational training programs for underserved youth in one of the smallest towns in Mozambique. And I have this moment where I was in class, the first day in class, and, you know, I was ready to teach the very practical stuff like, um, you know, basic set chart management, basic English. And I just felt that everyone in the room was so closed off. People had this image of a teacher that kind of like a godlike figure um, ready for me to just drop knowledge and they would just accept. And I was like, this is not it. This is not it. I didn't sign up for it. So I realized that before tapping into any sort of technical skills, we must first work in the human beings around us, right? We have to still um, focus on developing the human beings, uh, the person um, that we are working with. So yeah. Fast forward seven years from that, I'm on my third business, Renault International, where we enable powerful personal transformations to drive career, business, and life fulfillment. I I love that. And (laughs) it's interesting, uh, both my parents are teachers. Uh So when you said that, I instantly smiled and thought, okay, I I have (laughs) an element of understanding of, of, um, you know, what that might have been like and felt like. And your last piece there talking about the difference between technical skills and then human skills and recognizing what's important, maybe what comes first. And we're seeing that now as a real critical element is a, you know, a lot of the studies and surveys talking about the behavioral skills, what were called soft skills becoming way more important than the technical skills uh, in what people are looking for, what employers are looking for. 
And yet we haven't focused on that very well, um, I think, in education. Um, tell me a little bit about, you know, what happened from there, from that sort of initial moment of going, <laughs> ah, I need to focus on behavioral, on the human side before the technical. How did you approach that? And tell us some, tell us some stories. Yeah, so... You know, I was literally in the middle of a classroom, right? So there was not a time to kind of retreat, rethink and recharge. It was like, I was a way to kind of like just break the room literally because I believe that sometimes if you want to build something, you have to be willing to break a few eggs, right? Um, I was just, let me just break the image that they have of a teacher. I immediately just sat on a table. I was like, yes, guys, take some post-its. Let's just talk about your biggest failure so far. And everyone was looking at me like, I came here to learn how to manage the chart. And you were talking about failures. I was, yeah. And I shared one of my failures as a teenager where um, I was invited to this kind of like fantasy party where people will have like all those, you know, people dress as um, typical Africans, um, tribe people um and again i didn't notice that to that party they meant that for you to have like kind of two wardrobe pieces so ones when you were you know full costume on and the other one where you're more relaxed so i end up being on this crazy party uh super late with you know just those uh natural kind of wardrobe on in the middle of people full of you know jeans and all of the western stuff and it was super awkward i was like <laughs> the joke of the party and it was like why are you telling us that you were supposed to be a teacher you're supposed to be like this godlike figure but immediately everyone starts to laugh um everyone started to share their their failures and they immediately created a safe space where everyone realized that you know we are all the same here we're just in different parts of our own journey um, that's what I did immediately. But then I really have had to um, went back and rethink how I will structure my lessons because it was, you know, two hours they were gone and we were just making sure that we will just know each other. Uh, we were comfortable with each other and we were willing to learn. And tell me, what sort of uh, age is it that you're helping through at this uh, process, you know, and <laughs> what are the, like the the outcomes, you know, of... Uh, in reading a little about you of entrepreneurship and business yeah. give me what was the context of of that um and maybe the flip side of what were some of the great successes <laughs> that happened of your learning and journey over those years of working with people mm, that question has so many layers ross so for starters i was an early child in a lot of things um i remember how I learned how to read was that I love bedtime stories like most children. And my sister told me one day, you know what? I'm not going to read you more than one story per night. If you want more, we have to learn how to read. And I think I was like three or four years old. Um, but because I really wanted to those bedtime stories, guess what? I learned how to read. Um, and I also studied in a private school here in Mozambique, the Portuguese school. And, you know, if you are in the Southern Hemisphere, most of the lessons, they kind of like start in January. And while you, if you are in the north side of the world, you start um, during, after summer, right? So in fall, so there will be September, right? And just that will give me uh, an advancement of around a year from everyone else, because I'm, I was kind of like a year ahead. And also, uh, my birthday is in October, so 
I will start the lesson or a degree being like 17 and then by the end of the year I'll be 18 right so there's always been this um kind of like cheating on the system <laughs> that I was naturally doing um and it was crazy the fact that I was always the youngest one in my class so I had this kind of like big brain um in terms of technical skills but then I remember that uh when I was like playing around, I would play around with the kids from, you know, the degrees below me because they were my age. Um, so there was something that was been going on for quite a while. So my first business, I started when I was around 20 years old. And the funny thing, if you are entrepreneur listening, is that if you're having your own business, you realize that you might be making some pretty decent decisions. But I was having this feeling that I wasn't making the best decisions I could ever or possibly made because my knowledge was limited. Um, I didn't have any mentors by, by that time. So everyone will come to me, ask for advice and ask me what they should be doing. And you know, if they should tweak their programs because my programs were great. I was like, guys, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just making my way out. Um, they just write this, just write that. So I talked to my co-founder and we agreed that I will go ahead and look for a job where I could develop my leadership. Um, and I, will, I became an advisor in my own business in that sense. Um, a few years later, I ended up selling my shares to my co-founder. Uh, but it was really great to have um, a mentor to support me. And I was best to work for an organization that supported entrepreneurship and innovation. So it was all about, you know, going from idea to business and from business to revenue. I learned a lot. I grew up a lot. Um, there were a lot of things that I had to embody. Um, and I feel that most people miss that. Oftentimes we look to um, quote unquote successful people and we wonder what they did to get where they are, but we forgot to ask who they have to become in order to do those things, right? And I feel that's how more, I've at least fight uh, this imposter syndrome because it's not about just doing things that are not um, aligned to who you are, it's about becoming the version of yourself that is capable to do what you're trying to do. Um, okay. It's yeah, a really interesting piece. I don't know if you uh, listened to the one with uh, our podcast with Ben Hardy. Um, his recent book is Personality Isn't Permanent and talking about our future yeah. self and having yeah. a relationship with our future self and who do I need to become, but also who do I need to let go of? What yeah, limiting definitely. thoughts of my identity do I need to let go of to become the version of myself in the future that I see that's hopefully a, a better version? Because uh, we want to create growth and we want to create momentum uh, in there. So in, in terms of that self-path that you went on of, you know, going and learning by doing, then, you know, finding mentors, experimenting, changing who you were along that. How did that kind of prepare you um, for maybe what you're doing now and what you want to do next? What sort of things have you picked up so far that might be helpful for our listeners to think about? A lot of things. So one thing that I learned a crazy story. I got chicken pots when I was um, 21 years old. So it's a very weird thing for you to have once you are like a young man or a young uh, person at all, right? But the thing is, I couldn't cut my hair for the longest time. And I've been my entire life with super like short hair. Um, and I remember one day I was just woke up and I look at the mirror and I really thought that the guy staring back at me was super cute. <laughs> I was like, 
I never look like that because I never uh, had uh, longer hair. And I've, I immediately started to wonder, you know, what will this guy act like? You know, why, how will we speak? Um, what things really matter to him? Because he's a totally new, strange person that I was just being, right? Um, and just by that thought, I immediately went back to all the feedback on things that I should be improving on myself because my friends will always tell me like, Julia, sometimes you are too rushed or you are, um, you know, too intense, uh, you know, prepare us to whatever you're going to say. Don't be so strict, um, be more open. Um, don't take things in life so seriously, right? So I was, okay, so this guy, this Julio here will be the guy that, you know, has more fun, the guy who listens more, um, the guy that is able to create connections with everyone, regardless of um, where they're coming from. Um, just those basic things um, allowed me to embody a lot of the characteristics that I was looking to have. And something that's interesting, and I use that a lot of my trainings, is that find triggers that allows you to remind yourself of who you want to be, right? Of the characteristics you want to embody. So having something physical, um, you might not need to kind of like change your visuals all of once, right? It could be just simple as a bracelet or a necklace, something that you can easily just touch upon it and remind yourself that, hey, I committed to be this version of myself. Am I playing full out? Am I acting like that or not? Right? Just have those triggers around you. Um, they're really helpful. That's one. Two, again, because personality is not fixed, if you don't like how you are, you can always change, right? So let's say you decided to embody a characteristic that you really thought would be fun, but then once you do it, you realize that it's not fun. Or my case was, I always love, you know, people who are organized and they stay organized. <laughs> I'm not the type of, of person, you know, I get organized and then I get messy and then I get back of being organized. So I try to be fully consistently organized in my life. And guess what? After a few weeks, I hated it. <laughs> I wasn't having fun. I know I really love you know, fixing things and organizing my schedule and then messing it up. I just love that. And I just took a step back and went back of being um, where I was, uh, but now being really more mindful about where I allow those cycles to happen, right? When I get organized and then I get messed, all messy. Um, so really, again, if you embody something you don't like, you can go ahead and change it. It's not fixed at all. So just focus on those two things. I think it would be great. I like the, the story of intentionally adapting, but also yeah. being experimental with that. So yeah. thinking, okay, this is the type of traits or characteristics. And that's the challenge, you know, is that will this <laughs> stick? Will it become a new habit and a new version? Or do, do I repel after I go and try it for a little while and then be comfortable to come back to an element of that, but know that you've experimented, know that you've got new knowledge yeah. and other areas, it will stick and embody and become part of your, your future self. Um, I, there's something that I want to share. And uh, I was introduced through A360 to a company called My Intent. I don't know if you've come across these little bracelets. Uh, oh, that are, they're called My Intent. Um, I think it's myintent.org. And essentially, the, the founder, Chris, he talks about the fact that we wear a watch on, on one wrist. And yeah. that's important because time's important and we need to know what the time is. Fine. And he said, but what's more important is how are we spending that time? What are we focused on? 
Do we have an indicator for that? And that's where he came up with this my intent band. And they're all personal and you pick a word. What is my intent? Either that's for your life or it could be just for that moment. What are you wanting to do more of or let go of? And uh, a number of years ago, I, I got my first one. And although it's one word, they said, I, uh, I asked the system, and I said, well, how many characters is that? Because I wanted to fit two words <laughs> in, right? So I hacked it and I had uh, unite humanity was Ooh. my intent. So when I'm spending my time, when I'm doing things, a bit like you said, is it a bracelet? Is it something that reminds you of how you want to show up yeah. in the world? This was a great trigger. And the, the follow-on from that was at the beginning, that was super inspirational. It got me excited. Yeah. And then I reached a point where it, it triggered more of an overwhelm for me, that it was mm. so big that I felt, wow, God, unite humanity. When I'm on a, when I'm on a good day, and I'm full of vibe. I've got all my energy, you know, I've had great sleep. I'm like, yeah, bring it on. On other days, I'm thinking, wow, that's, that's big. And I get a little bit down from it. And yep. another word came into my, my sphere, which was this uh, term co-elevate. And it's oh. where, um, you know, the, the rising tide raises all boats in the harbor. And yeah. in any relationship and collaboration that I have, I look for co-elevation. And so I thought, ah, that's the word for me. That's, that's, that really was resonating at the time. And I felt, do you know what? I don't want to let go of the Unite Humanity one. And I was in this real quandary. And I remember having a conversation <laughs> with somebody and they said, why don't you just wear both? So since then, I've been wearing both. Right? You know, So I have Unite Humanity and co-elevate. And I feel you know, this nice balance of huge aspiration but also something that uh, helps me in the day-to-day -day of how i approach relationships how i want to show up and yeah. um, so i love that um uh, tip that you gave there of of looking at those kind of two areas of what characteristics do you want to embody and and going for them uh, where have you seen examples of that in others so you talked about it in yourself maybe people you've yeah. worked with some of these, you know, hundreds of people you've taken through their own journeys of growth. Yeah. Where have you seen successes and how did they overcome it? That would be really interesting to, to dig into. Yeah, sure. Um, I remember of two particular cases and they ties up with something you were saying. The first thing is that when we are trying to embody a, a new characteristic or a new behavior, um, you know, the imposter syndrome kind of kicks in and saying, this is way too big. Um, you know, you're never going to be able to do that. Who are you to do that? Um, and I, the quote that I come up with is, um, you know, never let your ego uh, interfere with your vision never do that um, and I was working with this entrepreneur uh, she's a, a cooker she loves to cook she loves um, you know to have people around and eating her food and talking and chatting but she hates um, being the center of attention uh, she really struggles with that and you know we were coming back and forth with it and I literally told her you know you love cooking right you love people eating a healthy uh, food and really feeling great about their body but guess what if you keep just doing what you do people will never have access to it. You will be literally forbidding the world of such a great gifts. You know, you have those gifts, you put in time and effort to developing them. And now you're just sitting there with a pile of gold, um, no, not allowing people to enjoy that, that's not fair. Um, and she was like, yeah, actually you're right. Um, 
so how can I change and start being more, you know, outgrowing and, you know, being in TV shows and podcasts and radio interviews? I was like, there are two possibilities here, right? Either you do it yourself or you have a co-founder who's going to be the face of the business if you're comfortable with it, right? But again, don't let your ego stop you from accomplishing your vision. Um, and she was like, you're right, let me start small. And I was like, you know what? I have a lot of contacts on media. We can set up you in an interview, you know, tomorrow. She was like, Julie, that's too fast. I'm like, do it anyway. Remember, it's about your vision. Um, so that's one thing. And the other that I often um, advise my mentees is that um, social brand comes something you said about having an aspirational goal and then having a more day-to-day goal. I use that uh, with my mentoring system. So I have, and all of, I advise everyone um, that I work with to have at least three types of mentors, right? So you have the first aspirational mentor. This is the person that really shows you that it's possible because a lot of the time we limit our possibilities because we've never seen it done. So if you don't have a reference, it's very hard for you to keep striving towards that. So this could be, in my case, it's Oprah. You know, uh, she's on a level, at least on the expression category, how she expresses her message, how impactful she is that I want to be at. So she's an aspirational mentor. And don't get me wrong, I don't know Oprah personally. I follow her in social media, right? So you don't have to, you know, have the cell phone number of an aspirational mentor, but you have to surround yourself with their content so you can tap into that wherever you need, right? That's one. But then you need an approachable mentor. This is someone that's just a few steps ahead of you. They are not your end goal, but you know that they are a stepping stone towards where you are heading. And this is someone that you can grab your phone and have a conversation. They can ask you some questions. They can challenge your perspective. They can support you. Um, but really, you can just get um, close to them and you can easily relate to them, right? And if you ask them about a challenge you were facing, it's very easy for them to say, hey, next, you know, last month or last year, I was where you were. This is why I did it, right? So you get the fresh strategies to move forward. And the third level is you must be a mentor to someone else. Most people don't think that um, they are mentor worthy. They don't enough to be a mentor, but really, if you are in third grade, you can mentor someone from second grade, right? It doesn't have to be something crazy. Uh, but the benefits of that is that it allows you to be uh, updated with what's coming next because you are kind of like tapping into the next generation. So you know what's coming then and it will give you amazing listening skills. You'll be, if you want to support someone, you have to be willing to listen. Right, so that will improve um, your leadership in terms of being able to listen. You will be able to relate to people more easily. Um, you will develop your empathy, and you will be giving back. So that's not a con into it, and that's how I advise most people to do. Um, I had a, a mentee they worked into the um, health and fitness business, and for the longest time he was struggling, kind of setting up the business that. Um, was tailored to his personality and using this system he was just like you just took a huge weight out of my of my shoulders now i can you know see where i'm heading i can see uh you know the next step that i have to take and i feel great because i'm giving back to people who are just starting up so yeah that's how i go around it that's a really intelligent model because the challenge is between realizing a vision 
and that not paralyzing but being able to move forward and especially in the situation where we have so much uncertainty that just you know the the road ahead is so thick in fog because we can't predict what's happening because everything's uncertain having somebody that's just a few uh steps away in the direction that you're wanting to go in can be super helpful and i think that's a great a tip for people to think about in terms of what they might be facing. They might be facing a need to reimagine who they are, how they show up in the world, what skills they have to, you know, uh, get a, a different job, a new job. We're at such a transformation and transition in the world of work that many who might not be entrepreneurs historically are finding themselves maybe thinking about starting that. They might have been in work and in jobs, in roles that now no longer exist or about to no longer exist. That taking that leap requires, yes, as you rightly said, some view of someone else who's done it helps give us confidence and then take these little baby steps uh, towards it. In terms of when you do that and when you have this right kind of structure of mentors and even becoming one, is, is a really nice way of uh, also thinking about it. What do you th- think alongside listening, which you said was a key, key component to all of that, what are some of the other skills, either technical or human, <laughs> do you think are going to be the most essential um, for the future that we're facing uh, in your experience? I will say, and it's, this is a buzzword, um, especially in the personal development industry, but it's empathy. As a mentor or as a mentee, you have to have the ability to see yourself in someone else's uh, journey, in someone else's life, while still not projecting your own fears and your own limitations toward that person. And it's a really fine balance um, that you you kind of like play around it. Uh, But I believe that once you found that, you'll be an instant connector. Um, you don't have to have like great codes or uh, billions of dollars of uh, or euros or whatever in your bank account, uh, but just being relatable is a super skill that everyone should be focusing on. And I believe that empathy is the way towards it. And again, uh, remaining grounded so you are not projecting your own fears and limiting uh, someone else's growth. Um, you know, I coach some of people who are way, way ahead of myself. Um, you know, they're making way more money than I'm making. They're making way more impact than I'm making. And it's easy when you're in the position to think that, oh, I'm not enough to um, coach this person. I'm not enough to, you know, give uh, something at value to them. But once you realize that your current situation is based on your own predetermined systems, your belief systems, your mindset, um, your own limitations, um, just make sure that you're not projecting that into someone else's life while still being able to connect with them. So we've got somebody who's just listened and they've said, ah, oh, empathy. Yes. I want to be really good at that. I want to get better at it. And I also want to make sure that I'm grounded and not, um, you know, transposing my own limiting beliefs or fears or whatever in the people around. If we focus in on empathy, if I want to become more empathetic, what could I do? What would be some of the steps that I could take to take that word or theory or phrase into my daily practice? So we talked just before we started recording about (laughs) the importance of daily practice 
uh, of building habits of whether that's, you know, self-reflection and things like that with empathy, what could I start tomorrow in my daily habits that in your experience would help me level up my level of empathy? Sure. Um, so first things first, let's take a step back into that. Um, before giving you the practical techniques that you can use, uh, I like to always focus on three levels of learning, um, conscious learning, subconscious learning, and unconscious learning. That, that's how we have been learning since we were born, since, you know, humankind was created. Um, so starting in the conscious level of learning, I, there are different exercises. A particular one that I do is, um, if you have someone living with you, that will be great. Literally try to wear their shoes, like literally. Um, what uh, I'll find in most cases is that um, a lot of people um, don't have, you know, they try to put themselves in other person's shoes, but they never take their own shoes to do that, right? So I will never be able to experience your reality if I'm looking at it from my point of view, right? I have to be able to kind of strip away of my ego, not in a negative way, but just stripping away everything that I identified with to be able to really resonate with your story, really resonate with your message, right? And this is an easy exercise. Um, if you have any toddlers at home, you can try to kind of look at the world from they, where they are standing. So for a few hours or a few minutes, you just kind of like sit um, or just crawl around your house um, to just try to see, you know, how do they see the world in a practical way? It's a fun exercise. Um, you can do it on a Saturday evening, Saturday afternoon, just to have fun around it. Um, but just try to do that. It's a great um, conscious way to um, tap into your empathy. If you want to go in a more subconscious way, try um and this is can be so challenging to do you know if there is someone that you cannot stand like every time that you think about the person like your stomach just pains you know you just be ah, how can this person be like that right try to have a conversation with that person or at least listen to something they are sharing and try to find common ground this is particularly useful if you are um, trying to build effective communication, try to find common ground. I did that exercise when um, I'm super around, you know, gender equality and gender balance. So I was having a conversation with one of my friends that he's an extremist, um, you know, anti-women growth and anti-women development. Like in his mind, women are inferior uh, to men. And I was starting to have this conversation with him and trying to understand his point. And funny part of us that we came to a common ground that both of us, we value family. What is different is that on his side, he thinks that women are the best ones uh, taking care of, uh, of children and really bringing, you know, effective leaders to their world. So they should be at home. While in my point of view, limiting a woman to that role is just limiting, you know, those leaders' growth. And from there, we were able to find common ground because we both agreed that family is a key uh, aspect of life. And thing is, we didn't come to that common ground immediately. It took us all a few kind of reflecting moments. So that's where your subconscious mind tries to find common ground in no time to find separation. So I'm going to leave you those two exercises that I found um, particularly effectful on building the, empathy. It's quite often human nature when we meet somebody who has a different viewpoint to us yeah the desire is often to help them see our viewpoint 
right? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Let me tell you why that's limiting. Why, you know, having a view <laughs> of women wrong. in that way, you're wrong. This is what it is. And that's how yeah. often the friction comes. And yeah. this opportunity without judgment to seek to understand and find common ground, like I said, super hard, super difficult. It's super but hard. But <laughs> a, a great way to build because... Um, in their own cells, they have the rational uh, rationality yeah. to think that that is the right thing, equally the way yeah. you feel about yours. So uh, <laughs> I think that's, that's really interesting. And I've got another quick story where you mentioned about, you know, if you have children, just seeing the world through their eyes by crawling around on the floor and things. <laughs> I remember uh, uh, when I was running uh, innovation workshops and we were talking about seeing things from the viewpoint of the user. And uh, I'm going to try and do this without visuals. And imagine a uh, nursery room where your baby's in the cot and you're looking at their mobile uh, up in front. And the story is about how that was created with so much love and this beautiful craft that they didn't buy it, they made it themselves. It's, it, this mobile has got... Uh, cars on it, planes, all these sorts of things that they've cut out in cardboard, all these colors, and it's beautifully looking um, mobile. And they were concerned because their child didn't seem that interested in this mobile. <laughs> and they'd spent all this time, they'd, you know, yeah. made it, it, all these colors, all these, you know, shapes, and thought it was fantastic. And got to the point where they thought, oh, maybe there's something not quite right with, the, with their child. And it wasn't until they looked from the child's perspective and looked up and all they could see was a few lines of the cardboard because <laughs> from underneath, it just looks like a few lines. Only from their <laughs> viewpoint could they see the shapes and the colors uh, of the objects. And that just came into my head when you were talking about to literally wear the shoes. Because we talk about that saying a lot, you know, to wear yeah. someone else's shoes. But do we actually go and maybe sit in their chair? Do we look at, things from their viewpoint down on the floor you know or from outside a room and i wonder if there's a an opportunity where for some technology can play this and i've heard of the examples in virtual reality where you can take on the very physical nature of somebody else so you can be a woman um, and see how people are interacting for training you can be of different color and see how people are interacting to give us that experience of uh, empathy in a very unique way. And I've, I've heard of some very incredible stories where people have broken down their past beliefs and barriers by being able to experience it in a really unique way. Um, but if it's just getting on the floor and crawling or finding the shoes <laughs> to putting on VR goggles, the essence is the same um, to, to appreciate without judgment. I think that's a, a great piece. There's been so many great tips, Julio, that you've shared <laughs> with us of mentorship, of how to uh, view and look at the world, even down to the, the three phases of learning. has been really interesting. Uh, has there been um, a question that I haven't asked you yet, but you would really love that I would have asked you? And if so, what would that question be? Oh, I guess the question is, because in the end of the day, we're talking about um, adaptability, right? It would yeah. be, why do you have to 
let's say you decided that you're going to take the lead in adapting, you know, the whole adaptation journey of your life. What do you have to have to consider, um, you know, before doing anything? Um, because I believe that most of the time we are focused on improving and getting better, but we never realized why we are doing that in the first place. You know, what's your goal? Again, tying back with, you know, the different, you know, forms of learning is that throughout the history, we have been adapting unconsciously, right? Our environment has been shaping us. Um, our ancestors have been shaping us. And we're just kind of like a byproduct of life. And I found that a lot of people are now awakening to the fact that we can lead that change. We can lead that adaptation. Um, and a really question, the first question that really uh, people should be asking themselves is why they should adapt in the first place and not in the external way where you're adapting because the industry is changing, um, because now everyone is using computers and, you know, typewriting is not a thing anymore. But really on a personal level, why are you adapting? You know, why are you really bothering? Why are you really bothering with change? Um, and just sit down with the question for a little while before you start making any moves. Um, if you don't find your why in life, keep looking for it before you even consider leading your change. Go and find your why. Um, and you'll be surprised to the fact that your why is not with other people. Your why is not in a book. Your why is not with me or with anyone else. Uh, we are just kind of like tools and mirrors to reflect that why to you. Your why relies with you. It, it does. And it's one of those eternal things to expand on, you know, of, yeah. oh, find your why. Oh, so where is it? You know, I'm on this, hunt for the, <laughs> you know, the treasure map with the red X on it that I can go and open this box that says, oh, that's my why. There, there it is. <laughs> and the reality I've experienced is that why is a series of questions and events of trial yeah. and error of doing things and saying, does that, you know, uh, fill me with energy? Does it fill me with joy? Do I um, leave things better than I found it for others? And we, we shape, we mold, you know, and we discover and we create our why through our experiences. And um, I feel a lot of the elusiveness of, ah, you've got to have your purpose. You've got to have your why, you know, your my intent band or your, um, you know, all, all of these things. For, for many, uh, that is life's work. That's the life's yeah, journey. Um, and um, to accept that along each day, each piece and breaking it down is, is important. And you picked up on a really critical piece about the importance of context and goal in relation to adaptability. Knowing, yep. am I doing this because it's a survival? You know, there is a burning platform and the choice is one that if I don't, I fear what the reality would be. It might put me yeah. in danger. It might put my family in danger or my future in danger. And therefore some need that amount of pressure, that amount of burning platform before they'll even do it. Others might be because their why is an ambition led one. You know, they see yeah. the growth, they see an opportunity and they set something and say, ah, like you said, hmm, I see me in a mirror somebody and i want to create the characteristics and the way the yeah. way that person communicates and i'm going to create it and so you were experimenting in that <laughs> i mean i just love yeah. this this sense that comes from you an energy of joy about life being um 
just fun comes from you that you're this sense of con <laughs> control by just thought by intentionality and permission that you give yourself uh to do and i think yeah. i'm going to take that away uh from our our conversation today is just really reflecting on giving myself the permission to be the person that i want to be just each day and each week i love that um, i love that and that i think is a, a great uh, view, especially in challenging and un uncertain times of, of those things. If people want to reach out to get in touch with you, Julia, what's the best way that they can yeah. do that? Oh, sure. Um, so I'm on social media. I'm Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find me at Julio Mujaro. That's J-U-L-I-O-M-U-H-O-R-R-O. But you can also reach me um, via my company's LinkedIn. So it's Sharing Knowledge International. Again, that's Sharing Knowledge International. And we can take a conversation from there. Love it. It's been a real pleasure to get to know you during our conversation and truly inspirational to, to hear your own philosophy, your own experiences, and the gift that you're giving to people that come into your orbit and to help them grow and go on their journey. Um, it's been really, really good to understand, learn, and I'm excited <laughs> to see what we can create together. Great, I'm super happy and grateful for our time together. Do you have the level of adaptability to survive and thrive the rapid changes ahead? Has your resilience got more comeback than a yo-yo? Do you have the ability to unlearn in order to reskill, upskill, and break through? Find out today and uncover your adaptability profile and score, your AQ. Visit aqai.io to gain your personalized report across 15 scientifically validated dimensions of adaptability. For a limited time, enter code PODCAST65 for a complimentary AQME assessment. AQAI, transforming the way people teams and organizations navigate change. Thank you for listening to this episode of Decoding AQ. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast directory and we'd love to hear your feedback. Please do leave a review and be sure to tune in next time for more insights from our amazing guests.